up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Lessons in the Trenches podcast. Today, my guest sitting here with me today is Bryce Rudisell. Bryce, how are we doing on this fabulous day today? Good, man. Good. How are you? I am phenomenal and ready to just get into this big interview. So, Bryce is the owner of Top Tier Grading, which is an excavation company located in Baraboo, Wisconsin. So, Bryce, how we started on the show is I always give you a curveball question. So, today's question are boneless chicken wings just chicken nuggets in disguise? Oh, man, I don't know. All I can tell you is that uh, I'm, I'm a bone-in kind of chicken wing. Are you? I don't know what else to do with that. Yep, yep, it's all about I like the flats. I like the flats. Okay, that's understandable. Yeah. See, I'm a boneless chicken guy. Right. So I feel like I can greet that just my whole life would be a lie. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so, Bryce... Uh, just uh, according to the title, Big Lessons in the Trenches, what would be your big lesson in your life? Um, I think definitely what's helped me succeed in what I'm doing so far is that, uh, you know, I'm I'm just extremely passionate about what I'm doing. So uh, uh, when when all these challenges hit you and stuff, if you're not if you're not in it in it to win it till the end, uh, you know, it'd be it'd be easy to give up. But because I'm so passionate about what I'm doing um it, there's no other option than to work through that kind of stuff and just kick it in the ass. What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's a win, kicking it. It means that, you know, failure isn't an option. So, I mean, if you're just getting beat down, uh, you know, all kinds of problems and stuff like that, and it's just the only option is to find the solution. Wow. I'm saying you work some big machines out there, right? Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Say, what are some of your recent projects that you guys do? What does an excavation company do? Uh, we're doing a lot of multifamily housing uh, that, that has, like, underground parking, five-story stuff with, uh, like, apartment complexes in it. Uh, we do a lot of uh, school districts, uh, new, like, athletic complexes. Yeah. So all those new high schools that are getting new synthetic turf fields and really nice really nice facilities, that's kind of right up our alley. That is good stuff. And one thing I wanted to ask, you know, I believe being as young as you are in your 20s and starting your own excavation company and the amount of capital it usually takes to do that, what led you to starting your own company at such a young age? Yeah, so it's it's kind of a funny story. I haven't shared with a lot of people, um, but uh, my, my dad actually has uh, kind of a similar company, but it's more on the pipeline side of, uh, of construction. And uh he actually got in kind of a pinch on a piece of equipment. Uh, they, they screwed up the billing and uh, they, they weren't billing it correctly. And then at the end of the year, they sent like this huge bill to uh, to pay on this piece of equipment or they were going to like take it. Holy crap. Yeah, it was it was like almost $100,000 for this thing. And, you know, he, he didn't he didn't have that in his budget because he didn't even know about it. So. Um, I came up with the idea, like, okay, let's send this thing back and, you know, I'll start my own company and I'll just get my own. And we didn't even end up doing that, but it was too late. I got the ball rolling and I was like, you know, I'm going to start a grading company. Um, I had top tier kind of in the back of my head for a year already at that time. And, uh, like I said, once the ball was rolling, it was rolling. It wasn't going to stop. So wow. that was kind of where it came from. And then it just took off from there. So it didn't even start as like, I guess, like a super duper passion thing. It was just kind of a, you know, I want to help my dad out and someone to be nice kind of. Yeah. It was almost out of necessity. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And then, you know, we didn't even end up going down that, that route, like I said, um, but uh, it was too late. I already was, was going for it. Like, all right, screw it. You know, let's do this thing. And obviously it seems like it's paying off for you. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Awesome. So one thing I want to get into, you know, what's your whole background? What's your childhood like? How'd you get to where you're here? Um, you know, I've always just kind of had that entrepreneur in me. Uh, I, I was never really a good student because I was just bored. Um, and, and I wasn't dumb. I was bored. Um, so, you know, by the time I was 12 or 14 or, you know, somewhere in that age, you know, my parents knew I knew, um, like where I wanted to be. And then once I was 14 and able to get my first job, that was pretty much the end of my school career, um, as far as caring about it. Cause I just knew I wanted to work. I knew I wanted to work and I knew I wanted to not work for somebody else. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I started working full time uh, in the construction industry for my dad at first uh, when I was 16 and I, I did my junior and senior year online while I was working all day. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I just never looked back. So. And now you're here. Now I'm here. <laughs> now tell me, I remember when we were talking a couple months ago, I remember you said you went out to Florida to work on cars and audio equipment. So why did you move out there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was kind of a hobby. Um, I was always into like car audio and stuff, and I was I was pretty good at it. Um, uh, when I was 18, I actually the truth is I went through like a pretty bad breakup, and I was like I'm gonna go to this car audio school, and I actually I actually took off like a winter season from construction. We we weren't busy anyways, you know. Yeah. Went to car audio school, uh, graduated at the top of my class, and then I actually had a had a job offer before I graduated. I had no intentions of staying there, but I had this offer and I was like, I'll go do this for a while. So I did that. And, and honestly, I was losing money every day because <laughs> I wasn't making any money compared to what I made in construction here. So I, I was working a job and I worked this job until I had like not even enough gas money to drive home from Florida. And then I was like, all right, it's time to go back to reality and, and go back to construction. And it was really good though, because it gave me kind of a new perspective. I've I had never gone out of you know Baraboo, Wisconsin, and lived on my own and stuff like that. So I think I was a changed person when I came back, and I was really serious about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that was one of the biggest things. You know, I moved out to Utah, and that was kind of something we were talking about for a bit. Was what's it like moving out there at 18 and being on your own and all that? So that was super cool. Um, one thing I also wanted to touch on, you know, what's excavating company like? Are you guys looking for workers right now? Is it super hard to find? Yeah, it, it is super hard to find workers right now. Um, we're always we're always looking for the right people. You know, I, I always feel that you can teach just about anybody how to run a piece of equipment. Yeah, you're looking for you're looking for more uh, character uh, traits, I guess. You know, we're we're looking for team players and guys that just are really hungry to learn about the industry and, and just it's their passion you know what i mean oh yeah um so i would i would be really hard pressed to ever turn down a person that had those traits that wanted a job absolutely and we will totally get to that in a bit but my follow-up question is how are you overcoming those challenges with the uh, worker shortages um yeah that that has been a huge challenge um i really double down on technology um, there's so much like GPS equipment and stuff. Uh -huh. And I would say for our size, we have more technology than companies twice our size. I mean, really? we really have cracked, cracked into the GPS stuff. Um, and it just makes the guys, the guys better at their jobs and, and it makes their jobs easier. Um, I've got, uh, these, these quick oil systems. I won't get into that too much, but, uh, we have the, you know, they, they're for making your job easier running the excavator. I've got the only two in the state of Wisconsin. I got Holy two crap. of them. Yeah. Wow. Yep, they're kind of a new thing, cutting edge stuff. But uh, yeah, we've got two of them. 
So you're really focused on innovation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm passionate about that as well. I really like all the new stuff that comes out and I like to be, you know, involved in it. Yeah. Is that stuff really expensive? Is it? Yeah, it's, it's very expensive. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it's worth it in a lot of different ways. I mean, I think it directly, uh, produces a lot of income for you, uh, making these jobs easier. And I think it also keeps the guys really engaged because they're excited mm-hmm. about it and I'm excited about it. So I, I do think that's a, it's a big factor, um, beyond what it actually shows for dollars and cents. I was just going to say that was my next question was, you know, do you really think the trade-off's worth it for those pieces of equipment? And obviously it's cool and everything, but do you see the results on paper? And it seems like you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think more so is, is uh, on the guys keep, you know, keeping them excited and, and having new stuff coming in and, and always having the guys have something to learn. And yeah, I think that's valuable. Is that the only thing you kind of do towards your guys? Or like, hey, like, this is what really motivates you, or do you do other things to keep the morale up? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, I mean, we, we always try to do as much as we can. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a big factor. Uh, we, we try to do, you know, we do some cool, uh, like, usually once a year, I'll take them on a hunting trip or something like oh, that. Really? And yeah, you know, I mean, I would actually... <laughs> that gets me thinking because I would like to do more of that stuff. I, I guess when you ask me that, I feel like now I don't do enough, you know? Um, yeah. so that's something that I want to, I want to work on. But, uh, overall, I think that, that they're really excited to be doing what they're doing. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Say, so, well, I want to get more into as an employer, you know, being really in our generation, you know, what are you looking for in other people to employ? And we touched on that a little bit, but mm-hmm. I'd love to get more in depth on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely those those character traits. Um, having people that just want to be there, they're passionate about wanting to learn. Um, some some self thinking guys um, is is really a big thing that that we need. Um, and we have some our guys that we have are are fantastic. But always looking for more people. And and a big thing is having self self thinking guys because in the construction industry. Um, you can't teach every scenario because you'd have to do that for a decade because wow. you're, you've got all these different machines and then there's so many factors what's around you, you know, just it, they have to learn how to think and make good decisions for themselves. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about these character traits, what kind of traits are you looking for? What are you talking about? Um, just really, really the self, the self motivated, um, you know, no one's going to be there, you know, yelling and screaming and, t- and telling you what to do all day, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you might, you might run into a roadblock with the thing you were working on. Well, there's a hundred other things to do. So you got to have the motivation and the knowledge um, and the decision-making skills to jump and start doing something else. Even if there's someone, even if there's not someone there, uh, you know, telling you, Hey, let's go do this now because, you know, it gets crazy out there. There's not always someone to just, you know, help you along. You got to help yourself along. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things is the excavation industry, pretty, pretty, um, competitive. It's very competitive. Very competitive. Yeah. It's a cutthroat business for sure. Oh my gosh. You know, and most of the guys that I'm going up against are, are second, third, fourth generation companies. Um, you know, and we're, and we're three years in. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very, it's very competitive. And then of course, you know, we bid all of our work. We don't, and we don't even do any private work. So, you know, you're you're figuring out your costs. You're figuring out maximum efficiency so that you can be as cheap as possible because you need to be the cheapest guy to get the job. 
but you can't be too cheap and not make any money. So it's it's a very cutthroat, very competitive business. Yeah. Yeah, it leads into my next question. How do you get these contracts, these school districts, and these huge multifamily um, apartment buildings? Mm -hmm. um, so the the school districts and like any like school districts or hospitals or stuff like that, um, those those jobs are posted on uh, on websites because they're public. They're actually in the newspaper even. Really. Um, yep. And uh, you just you know, you need to go through all the steps to be pre-qualified and, and, and stuff like that. But after that, you, you can, you can turn in a bid as a contractor, you know, I mean, you can't just be a nobody and just sign up and, and do it. You know, they're going to, yeah. they're going to check into it and you need to have, uh, uh, like reference job references for similar scopes. Um, but you just kind of, you just kind of dive into it. Um, and then the other thing is if you get it, you're doing it. So you better be confident and wow. you can't just walk away from it. You know what I mean? Like you're in it. You're in it. You're in it to win it or lose it. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, on the private, so the, the multifamily things, I guess those are kind of, when I said I don't do private, I guess I should have said, I don't do residential. Yeah. I, 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 I do do private because those big multifamily things are, are private projects done by a developer. Um, mm -hmm. those are kind of a different ball game. I think they're harder to get into, um, because, those are more about knowing people. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you know people, that's your invite to bid, kind of. Really? Um, yeah, because you, you have to get invited. Uh, otherwise, you'll never even know about it. It's not like it's posted on a website like these public projects. So. Well, let me ask you this. You know, honestly, since your third year, how are you already getting into these um, invitations to bid these multifamily housing? I eat, breathe, sleep, sweat this industry. Dirt. Just... I, this is all I do. I don't, I don't have hobbies. I don't, uh, oh. I, I don't snowboard or, or, you know, I'm not into sports. I mean, I, this is what I do all day, every day, weekends, you know, hundred plus hours. I don't even keep track. I mean, Holy it's that's, that's goes back to why I said, I mean, you will not succeed if you don't have that level of passion in whatever you're trying to do. Wow. Because otherwise you're not going to be willing to put that kind of time and effort in. No, 100%. I think that's the reason why so many, like, I think it's four out of five businesses failed in the first five years. So I think they lose interest. Yep. And I literally, what you're saying is you cannot lose interest, especially no. in this cutthroat industry that you're in. No, absolutely not. It's sink or swim. So you got it. You have to be 100% in, in or out, you know. Yeah. And I guess my question, you know, obviously, once you own your own business, your whole mindset changes. Like, I want to do all this, but. You know, to me, moving dirt sounds so boring. Like, why would I go out and move dirt? Why would I get passionate about this? And is that just a thing because you're the owner or are you like a legit dirt loving guy? <laughs> no, I think I think that was, you know, because I grew up around the industry. OK. You know, having, having my dad uh, have a pipeline business, he had he had some similar equipment. So, I mean. I was I was sitting on his lap riding in a skid steer and an excavator when I was you know six years old. I mean so, totally. you know and what and when you're a little kid like that, what little kid doesn't like heavy equipment? You know yeah. what I mean. So, I guess most guys, most kids grow out of that. Whereas like it was around me so much and like mm -hmm. I was able to run it myself. And as I got older, you know, so it was just kind of. It's in my DNA. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. That's so good. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about your dad. Obviously your dad is, looks, seems like he's funded a lot of this and encouraged you to do a lot of this. And, uh, what do role models mean to you in your life? Um, role models, role models are huge. Um, 
uh, my dad's a big role model for me, and, and actually your dad's a big role model for me. Um, I, I think, you know, another part of being successful in this is having um, a really, really solid team, mm-hmm. and not even just your team in the field, but, you know, like I've got your dad to uh, kind of help me steer the boat, um, and I've got my dad I can, you know, bounce ideas off of and just have a second opinion because when you're the owner, you're responsible for everything and and you know you can trust your gut but you you end up questioning yourself a lot so it's really really important to just have somebody else to just be able to talk to just bounce ideas off of um you know someone that's not biased one way or the other but just like you know can can really look at it kind of from outside um and it's honest with you i think too right yeah yeah so i mean having those people i mean everyone i have is family. I mean, my CPA is family, my financial guy is family, you know, my, my salesman are family, my, my insurance guy is family. I mean, like I have a close, close group that, that, you know, and that makes a huge difference, especially when you have problems. Yeah. Anybody can be good, you know, when everything's running smooth, but when mm-hmm. you have problems, that's when you really see, you know, how good your team is. Well, give me an example that when you have a problem, what are you doing? Sure. Um, you know, you, let me think here. You know, you run into uh, hmm, what should I use as an example here? Well, like let's let's take my salesman for example. So my equipment salesman. You know, um, you know his job is to sell me equipment, obviously, but uh, he he's got my back. So yeah. so like, uh, and this happens all the time. You know, something something breaks, and you know, let's say my excavator breaks. Mm-hmm. I've got five guys that are working around this excavator and you know, the excavator breaks, you're, you're done. Those five guys are going home. You know, I mean, you're, you're dead in the water. You know, I can call my salesman and, and since, you know, we're close like that. And since he's a rock star, I'll be like, excuse me. I'll be like, you know, Hey, my excavator's down, you know, can you help me out? And he'll get me another one. He'll get it there and we'll keep going. I mean, and that's, that changes your day from everyone got sent home and is ticked off to you're able to keep producing and keep making money. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, having those people is key. And I think I can kind of speak from the other way. Uh, I think how you get to that level is you treat them with respect. And because personally, if you're going to be a jerk to me, I'm not going to go out of my way to help you out. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely about who you know. Um, you know, that hunting trip that we go on. Yeah. You know, your dad goes. Uh, my salesman goes, my financial guy goes, my insurance guy goes, you know, I mean, those guys know that I appreciate them. I tell them every time I talk to them yeah. um, and, and I would bend over backwards for them too. Um, it's a, it's a two way street. And I think you can't even measure the value of that kind of relationships. No, hundred percent. My dad says the same thing about you. He, he bends over backwards. For you. Absolutely. He, he loves doing it too. Is the thing. Yeah. Like, he's not doing it out of, you know, just cause. I mean, you're, I guess, making money for him or anything. No, like, he cares about you. You're a genuine guy, and he'll bring you up to the cabin. And Yeah, he, he cares. We're family. We're family. 100%. And I remember the first day I met you, we were at the cabin, and uh, we're trying to fix this rut in the road because we were grabbing a road. And 
uh, we're digging out with shovels, and you come up, you're like, hey, let me help. And it's the first time I ever met you in yeah. your shiny truck. I'm like, what the heck is this guy doing? Yeah, I thought your dad set me up for sure. I, <laughs> of course, I'm kind of the cabin. I'm riding a piece of equipment, helping you, helping you grade out some gravel. <laughs> no, yeah, but that's just the kind of guy he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, just always willing to help, even when, it, I think it was a weekend, just you're supposed to have relaxing at the cabin, and all oh, this guy is always ready to work and help out. So yep. just something I wanted to say. Um, one thing I would really like to ask, you know, you're really in the age bracket we target and you're an employer. What are you looking for from our generation? Hmm. As far as like employment? Employment, um, I guess, whatever, wherever you want to take it. You know, I, I, I feel like I hit that on the head with the, you know, these self-motivated, self, self-thinkers, self you know, um, you know, you, you can't be taught everything in this industry. You got to learn it. And mm-hmm. and the difference being is like you figure it out kind of yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so somebody like that, I mean, you just got to want it. It's kind of like being the owner. I mean, you want to just got to be passionate about what you're doing or you're going to fizzle out and give up on it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what kind of advice would you give to someone that's in high school, just getting out of high school, in college? What would you say to them if they're struggling right now? I would say that I don't think uh, it's ever been easier to gain access to information to be able to start like your own business or um, to get a job um, just because of uh, social media and because of the demands right now are just insane. So I really, I really believe if there's something that you want to do right now, and you really want to do it, that there's no way that you can't get there. So, I mean, you just got to go for it. Yeah. And if someone's thinking like, yeah, I really want to start this small business, how would they go about doing that? Yeah. So I actually, uh, it, it's not, it's not as hard as you'd think. Um, you, you know, you got to go online, you, you file for an LLC or S corp or however you're going to do it. It costs, you know, like a hundred bucks. I think I did mine while I was at an airport. Um, you know, it's, it's not too difficult um, and then it's just a matter of breaking it down piece by piece and figuring one thing out at a time. Um, and I mean, so for example, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole too far here, but oh, feel free. <laughs> so when I did start my business, I, I, I was given no funding by, by anyone. Um, I, I actually, and I had no money, um, like none. Um, so this, this was the process. I filed my LLC. Mm-hmm. I went and got insurance. Um, I started looking at jobs, and I didn't have any equipment, any employees, and I bid a job. So you got insurance before you even got your equipment. Yep. Really? Yeah, because I had to have like business insurance, and and I wow. knew what I knew what uh, I don't know how they call it, but the area that I was going to be working in. So I knew what kind of insurance. To get, yeah. You know. Yep. So I got all my insurance in place, and you had to have that stuff to pre-qualify in these bids. You need to you need to put that stuff on there. So. Uh, so I got everything in place, um, and I actually tried to go get a skid steer, and they're like, "We can't give you a skid steer." You know? Why is that? Well, I had so I had good credit at the time, but I didn't have credit like to that. You know, I didn't have like hundred thousand dollar purchases or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, so I mean, they're you know a little skeptical. A little skeptical. Yeah, you know, yeah. I had you know I had good credit. They're like, "Oh yeah, you got a good start here," but you know, they're like, "No, we're not gonna <laughs> give you a skid steer." So you know, that's that's the point where that passion comes in. You know a lot of people might've given up right there. I was like, no, I'll figure this out. I, I, so this job was up for bid. I knew I needed a skid steer. I went and tried to get one and they said, no, 
I bid the job anyways. <laughs> I get, I got the job. I went back there. I said, I need a skid steer. Tell me how I can leave with a skid steer. And they're like, well, you don't have any money, so you can't buy one. We can't approve you for a lease. And I was like, well, how about I rent one? Okay, so obviously the rental rates are about four times what the uh, lease lease or purchase rates would be, you know. So I think I think uh, I had to pay like forty five hundred dollars a month to rent the skid steer. Holy crap. Yeah, but they, I said, well, okay, I don't want to lose. I don't want to just rent that and send it back. I was like, if I rent it for a couple months, and I'm sitting there negotiating with these guys. Yeah. I'm like, if I rent this for you know two, three, four months, tell me how many months I'd have to rent this. Can I get approved for a lease then? They're like, if you rent this for three months. We'll roll it into a lease. Um, so that's that's what we ended up doing. So um, I was like, all right, get the thing coming. I went and picked it up, did the job, got paid for the job, and made the payment. I didn't have the money for the payment before I got paid for the job or anything. So um, that's what I did. I made the payment, and then I scrambled, made the next payment, scrambled, made the next payment, and then they dropped from like forty five hundred to a thousand. So then I was like, okay, a little bit of you know, a little bit of breathing room. And uh, that's how I did it. Wow. Were you making a profit on those first few months? Not really, because the rental rates were so high. Yeah. I had like just enough to, to get through. But then once I was able to switch to the lease payments, then I was in an okay position. And that's how I did it. I mean, wow. you could walk in and do the same thing tomorrow. I had I didn't have a co-signer. I didn't have any history. You know, obviously, I could tell them that I knew about the industry. But that was about it beyond what anyone else, you know. I had nothing. I just went for it, full in. Yeah, I really think uh, one of the biggest pros of our generation is we're not, we're not, a lot of us aren't go-getters. Right. We want to be told what to do, and we don't really want to do it for ourselves and put in that hard work. And um, obviously, you're a living example of how that pays off, especially in our generation. Um, yeah. So, like, yeah, like, these old guys can do it, but I can't. And, uh, so you're, you're a living, breathing example of, like, <laughs> shut up. No. Yeah. A lot of people are, are scared. Our generation, I feel like they're or maybe not scared, but apprehensive to yeah, to commit weird. so hard to something that's going to lock them in. Yeah. E- even, you know, you even see our generation buying less houses. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they want to rent because if they want to move to California in a month, they can. Yeah. You know, so you just, I feel like our generation wants to be able to shift more. You know, same thing with relationships too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I guess I was different in that way where I was like, I'm, I'm just all or nothing. So, I mean, I have signed my, my life away to this business. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, it's, it really is sink or swim. Wow. That is incredible. <laughs> well, Bruce, is there any leading advice love to leave for our listeners? Anything you'd love to touch on that we missed? You know, I feel like we really covered a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think I'm all set, man. That was, that was good. Well, fantastic. Well, Bryce, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your insight with our listeners. And I'm sure we're just, Really astounded to hear someone live in what we're preaching. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope it impacted your life just as much as mine did. Just want to let you know we do have an Instagram called Lessons in the Trenches. Just how it said, Lessons in the Trenches on Instagram if you want to go check that out. We got pictures of all our guests on there, some awesome photos. And we'll be doing a lot more on there soon. So please go check that out if you haven't already. And thank you so much for watching. Oh,